I'm glad to see you this morning. And the visitors that we have in the audience, we're glad to have you here today. And I want you to know that before anybody else tells you, I'm glad to have you here and we love you. We invite you anytime because we're talking about things here that matter. We're talking about truth. The truth that involves the salvation of men's souls. I have nothing more important than that to talk with you about today. Because we find ourselves, as we study in the book of Acts, in the 19th chapter, and Brother Tony and I had to admit this morning that though we had said we were going to cover a chapter a week, some of these chapters are just too full of good information that ought not be skipped over because of a schedule. So we're going to take it as we can. Some will be able to do faster than others, but it's important to me today, after reading the 19th chapter of Acts again, to place the emphasis where it needs to be, and that's on baptism. I want to talk with you today about baptism that saves. There is a baptism that saves. And for me to just say that, Suggest then that there are some baptisms that don't save. That you can be baptized and rebaptized and rebaptized, but if you're not baptized right, salvation is not yours, regardless of a good life lived. Now, I want you to hear me this morning and hear me well. I've taken you this morning to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning comes out of our study of Acts chapter 19 because in Acts chapter 19, as well as in Acts chapter 18, and that's not coincidental, that we find in Acts chapter 18 a young man named Apollos who was from Alexandria, who was an eloquent man, who was a preacher, he was a great speaker, and he was mighty in the scriptures. But there was one thing wrong with his testimony. And that is that when he was asked by some, Priscilla and Aquila in particular, have you received the Holy Ghost since you were baptized? Well, he wasn't asked that primarily. That was asked uh, of, of Apollos in 19. I want to start, not Apollos, but I want to start in Acts chapter 18, where we come across that young man who wasn't told, but, but who was taken aside after he was preaching and Aquila and Priscilla heard him preach and noticed that his preaching was good except for one area. He did not know the baptism of Jesus. He only knew the baptism of John. And then in the 19th chapter, the Bible says that Paul ran into 12 disciples. Now I want you to listen to this and how they are described. The first man, Apollos, is doing some wonderful things and he's mighty in the scriptures and he's eloquent, but he doesn't know anything about baptism except John's baptism. In 19, we have 12 disciples, the Bible calls them, who did not know that the Holy Spirit existed. Uh -huh. 
The Bible says when he was asked, unto what were you baptized? Well, that scripture came out of that question, came out of them asking if, if Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost? Now this is of people who were already disciples. Sometimes disciples have to be questioned too. Because there are people following for different reasons. So Paul asked these 12 disciples when he saw them who all happened to be men. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you were baptized? And they said something incredulous. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. So obviously you don't know anything about the baptism of Jesus. Because the baptism of John wasn't about receiving the Holy Ghost. The baptism of John was about repentance. Now, I take us back to how God works, and I want to show you how this all ties together. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible refers us back to the time of Noah, when the ark was preparing. And the Bible says eight souls were saved by water. They were saved by water. And then he goes on to say to us that that light figure, look, it, it compares it in verse number 21. It says that there is also an antitype. Now, this is the New King James Version, which now saves us, namely baptism. Baptism saves us, not faith. Not repentance alone, not confession alone, but baptism is what ultimately puts us in a position to be saved. And to that degree, just as surely as those eight souls who were in the ark were saved by water, because anybody in anything that wasn't in the ark was what? Dead. Only eight were saved. And those eight were in the ark. Now I want those of you who think every church in the world is the right church, I want you to understand that God was showing us through this antitype several things. One of which is there was only one ark. One. Now see, if that were the case today, folks said, well that's not fair. That's the way we are. And there probably were some back in that day who said, that, that's just not fair. Why would I want to reside with animals for the long term in any place? Oh, you're going to have those who would say that. And then you're going to have those who are highfalutin and will say, I want an ark, but I want mine more like a yacht. If you don't mind, God. If we can have our own way, I want something that's going to sail and I can be entertained and enjoy myself while we sailing. So there are some folk who have that yacht mentality. But I want you to understand that God said to the world, if you're going to be saved, you need to be in the ark. You understand? And everybody who was not saved was outside of the ark. That antitype, that like figure, Passes right on down today to the church. And that's why we keep telling people the scriptures speak of one church just like there was one R. 
And God can say, we, we seem to be incredulous that, and I've had people ask me, how do you think all folk can be saved? Or why do you think all folk can be saved through one church? Why not? That's my response. Why not? The Lord saved whom he wanted to save in one ark. He doesn't give us the right to develop our own faiths. He created it. And that's why Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 4 says, There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We, we, we need to understand that. This is so important because baptism is pivotal to us being saved. Do you understand that if we're not baptized right and to get into the body of Christ, that we are never in the body of Christ. Let me say that again. No matter how much good you do, Apollos, no matter how well you speak, no matter how much Bible you know, if your baptism is not valid, then you never enter the body of Christ. Because baptism is what saves us, Peter says, just like the ark saved those eight back then. So how are we saved today then? We are saved by doing certain things that are mandatory of anybody who wants to be saved. There are no exceptions to the rule. There are three essential things that we need to do in order to have the the baptism that saves. Three. The first is, we need to have the right action. The second is, we need to have the right subject or person. And the third is, we need to have the right purpose. Now let's look at these quickly this morning as we talk about baptism. And I'm so glad it's in the 18th and 19th chapters that these people, when they heard the truth, they were baptized again, the 18 in Acts chapter 19. It says that when they heard this, that they were lacking in terms of the understanding of the baptism that is true, the one baptism, they were baptized again. That's why we've been talking to you today. You better think back. I would ask you to think back as we preach this morning about when you came and what brought you. What caused you to be baptized? But let's start with this. In order to be saved by baptism, we're going to have to have the right action. And that simply means that we need to know what baptism is and how it occurs. Baptism, some say, is pouring of water on the head. That's baptism. Others say it's sprinkling of babies. That's baptism. But the Bible talks about immersion. As a matter of fact, the, bab, the, the, the word baptism itself comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to submerge or to immerse. Even if you were going to baptize something on top of the earth, you'd have to bury it. You'd have to put, if you're going to bury a person on top, you still have to put all that dirt on them before, them, before we can say we've baptized them. Before we can say we submerged them. 
Okay, so why do we do that, Brother Anthony? Because baptism is really an extension of what we experience in Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6, if you will. Romans chapter 6. Now, we know that the gospel is explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. How that Paul says, I'm delivering to you what I've received. And that is that the, how the Lord died, was buried, and resurrected the third day. Therein is the gospel. Now, this is why we then need to be baptized. Let's begin with verse number uh, four. Well, verse number three of Romans chapter six. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Now I want you to notice into. What does into suggest as opposed to unto? If I told you today to go unto the lobby, just what does that mean? Well, that means you walk to the back of this building or to the back here to those doors and you stop there because the command is go unto not into. Go unto, you remember when grandma used to tell you, go unto the screen door. Don't go out there. You can go out there and look through the screen door, but don't go out there. Now, here's what Paul says about our baptism. As many of us have, as have been baptized, not unto Christ, but into Christ. See, into means you can go on out in the lobby. Go into the lobby. Get into Christ. How do you get into Christ? By baptism. It adds you to the body of Christ. Well, somebody said, well, but how we know that, brother? And how we know? It says into Christ Jesus. That this being buried with the Lord through him, we are baptized into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So when we go down into this water, we are imitating what Christ has done. He died. We're not ready to go down into this until we die to the old man. That's why repentance comes before baptism. But once we go down into this, and the blood of Jesus cleanses our sins, and then we come up out of the water, it's just like being resurrected. And finding ourselves into Christ. Now listen, verse four, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We are buried with him in baptism. While we're there, turn over with me to uh, 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 Ephesians. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 in this connection as well. Ephesians chapter 1, and we want to look at verses 21 and 22 and 23. Let's connect this while we're here. We are, through baptism, baptized into Christ. And just what does that mean, Brother Anthony? Look at verse 21 of Ephesians 1. 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. We're talking about Jesus Christ, according to verse 20. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Listen, which is his body? We with me? The fullness of him who feels all in all. So when you talk about the church, you talk about the body. The body is the body of Jesus Christ. He is the head of this body. And we are its individual members. And when we submit to baptism, that's the act that adds us to the body of Christ. Without that baptism, there is no addition to the body of Christ. So don't you think it's important that we get baptism right? That we do it for the right reason? Because you can find yourself doing good and being mighty in the scriptures and being eloquent and serving and never be in the church. I hope you're listening. Because this was important enough for Apollos and those 12 other disciples to go and do it over. And it was important enough for the disciples to tell them, you need to know this. You're doing a good job, but you need to know this. Let's go back to the beginning and see if you were ever a member of the body of Christ. Don't take it for granted, folk. And don't play loosely with that. Now, what things are needed? Well, we need the right action, which means we're going to practice what the scriptures teach us in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. That as we teach people, those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. Those who don't believe shall be condemned. So our, our, our salvation is based on whether we do the things that are required to be saved. And that includes baptism, not sprinkling, not pouring, but immersion. The Bible teaches that's the only way, that's the only right action that we can practice where baptism is concerned. So really pouring and sprinkling are not baptism at all. There are other forms, but they call them baptism. That's not baptism. We know the difference between sprinkling and baptism. Well, let me ask this. Why do people sprinkle and pour then? Some do it for the sake of convenience. That's why Billy Graham never talked about baptism in terms of his services. Can you imagine 5,000 people listening to him and him offering them baptism? Can you, can you, can you imagine how many folk it would take and how long it would take to literally disrobe people, have them put on something else and then baptize them? And that's too much time. Billy had to be on the next plane to the next place. He got to get out of there because he got another function tonight. And he can't stay around for all that. So what does he do when he preaches? At the end of his sermon, he tells people, go to the church of your choice. You've heard the word. Now go to the church of your choice. Well, Billy, how could they hear the word if you haven't taught them about baptism? 
Go to the one of the, go to the one you like and we're going to get on out of Dodge. Some people do it because it's convenient. Others do it because it's a way to tie your thinking into something that you all never allow. Why would anybody pour water on a baby or sprinkle a baby? A baby has no sins to be forgiven. What they do is tell you that once you do that, then your son is now a Catholic. Your child has been sprinkled and now he's a Catholic. That'll keep your numbers heavy because these kids find out before they even know you're a Catholic. Well, when did I become a Catholic? Oh, we had you sprinkled at birth. That made you a Catholic. So now they've given this child who had no say-so, who's not capable of believing or doing anything else uh, religiously, that now you've made them a Catholic. But the Bible teaches immersion, folk. It is the only right answer. And then you got to have the right subject. You got to have the right person. See, because if you're going to be baptized, if you want to be baptized with a baptism that saves, the Bible teaches that the first thing you got to do is hear about Jesus. You can't be baptized right if you haven't heard about Jesus. How can you be baptized in the name of somebody that you don't even know about? And you know, it's funny. John told those folks, this is plain as day. He says, I'm not the one you're looking for. I'm just a forerunner. My job, according to Isaiah 40 and chapter 4, is to preach, to be a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare, telling the folk, prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And to that end, he baptized those who were repentant in their spirits. And in essence, what they were saying is, yeah, we're ready for this new Messiah, even though we haven't seen him. John was preparing the way for him. And then as so, much, so many times is the case, the one who comes to prepare the place often gets mistaken for the person. And John had to tell him, I'm not the one. But the one you expect is greater than me. So much greater that I don't even, I'm not even worthy to latch his shoes. That's how great he is. And then when he saw him, he said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And the Bible says that Jesus came to John to be baptized of him. Now, that puts some of this in perspective because the baptism of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2.38, is baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So John was right when he said to Jesus, I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to be baptizing me. And Jesus said, I know, but suffering to be so right now. So what was Jesus doing? He wasn't being baptized for the remission of sins. He had none. This was a different baptism than they practiced beginning on Acts 2.38 on the day of Pentecost. This baptism was simply to say, I want to be numbered with those who are looking for the Messiah's coming. And my baptism, see, they didn't just take words. They said, we want you to show us 
that you serious. That's what John said. By being baptized, submit to this baptism of repentance. And they did just that. And Jesus did it to leave an example for all who would come after of the importance of baptism. Not John's baptism. Baptism. He left that for us so that we would follow that example, not for repentance sake, but for the remission of sin's sake. So let me say this to you. We have to believe, the subject has to believe, John 8, 24, unless you believe that I'm here, you'll die in your sins. The subject must repent of his or her sins. Acts 2, 38, we just talked about repent. That's the first thing they did after they believed. How do we know they believed? Because they were cut to their hearts. That's a symbol of belief. That's a sign of belief in what they had just heard. And then Peter told them the next two or three things to do. Number one, you need to repent and be baptized. Not repent or be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And then he told them you will receive, once you've done that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. John's baptism didn't come with any promise of a gift of anything. It was simply a baptism that I'm ready, ready to turn from my wicked life and get ready to follow this new Messiah who's coming. Then one must confess Christ as Lord. You know, the Bible says that if we confess in Luke 12, 8, 9, Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the angels. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the angels. And then in Acts 17, 30, the word says, there was a time when God overlooked ignorance, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Then at the end of that, let me, let me make this clear to you. If you hear, believe, repent, and confess Christ and are not baptized, you're still not saved yet. Because baptism is the act that puts you where salvation is. No salvation exists outside of the body of Christ. None. Anywhere. Nowhere. The only institution, religious institution in the world that saved is the church that Jesus built himself. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he promised the world and Peter upon this rock, this truth that you've confessed, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We just read Ephesians 1, 21 and 22, telling us in 23 that the, the Christ body is the church. Baptism puts us into that body. It doesn't bring us unto it. It puts us into it, according to Paul in Romans chapter 6 that we just read. So you're going to have to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized in order to start your journey. And if any one of those is missing, you haven't started the journey yet. And see, that's the hard part for people to get. They say, well, I know how I've lived. I know what I did. I know what I've done. I know the Lord knows me. Well, he only knows you if you're abiding by his word. He doesn't know you simply because you do some good things. There are some people who are more wicked than we'll ever do be, but who do more good than we'll ever do. 
There's some people who don't even know Jesus who are more generous than we are. Don't care nothing about God, but just out of the generosity of their heart. Look at it. You put people out there with, a, with, a, with an account, a GoFundMe account, and talk about how much you want to raise. And sometimes, depending on what it is, in a couple of hours, folk have raised thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for folk. Well, folk, all of those folk are not Christian folk. Some of them just reach out because they feel bad for you. You've fallen on a bad trip here, and we want to do that for you. We want to help you out. But in terms of the word, they're unsaved. And people tend to think that what they do is what saves them, but it's not. It's the grace of God coupled with our faith. And if you have faith, you can't prove to anybody you have it simply by saying you do. If you have faith in Jesus, you will be baptized. You will repent, you will confess, and you will submit to water baptism, and then you will be faithful to the end, Revelations 2.10. And then finally, the right purpose. People are baptized for different reasons, folks. And here is the part that's probably closer to you. Think back about when you were baptized. I may need to give some of you 30 seconds, because it's been so long ago. I don't know if you can get in touch with what you were thinking when you walked out and said, I want to be baptized. So I'm asking you now to reminisce, reminisce whatever your situation was and see if it fits with what you have to do. Some are baptized to show that they are entering the ministry, basing this on the fact that Jesus was baptized before he started his earthly ministry. You know, I mean, Jesus came to John and said, John, I want you to baptize me. And that was before he began his earthly ministry. So there are some who will read that and say, well, every time you, if you're going to be a preacher or if you're going to start a new ministry, the first thing you need to do is be baptized. And that shows that you are entering this ministry. But that baptism won't save you. Because it's designed to only show one thing. I'm entering the ministry. And just like Jesus, I want to be baptized before I start my ministry. Jesus never said we had to do that. When we enter a ministry. Okay. And then there are those who are baptized to make a public announcement to show that God has already forgiven their sins. This is the teaching of some of our Baptist friends who teach that you are saved when you believe and that you are baptized to simply show that you've been saved. That's not the Bible. Mark 16, 15 and 16 doesn't say, go out to the world and preach to people and those who, are, those who believe and are saved can be baptized. That's not what it says. But people have changed it because really, they don't want to go through all of that. We're convenient. We like to be convenient for folk. And whenever you talk about baptizing, that sometimes becomes inconvenient for folk. So in order to keep numbers up, people will accept you no matter what you believe in some places. 
And then if you don't think baptism is necessary, they'll say to you, well, if it's not necessary in your mind, then it's not necessary for us. You can do it if you want to or you can leave it. The main thing is you've already been saved by your faith. That's not biblical teaching. No salvation takes place on this side of baptism. It's all on this side after we've gotten up. Others are baptized to please family members, friends, or the teachers. The person who's teaching you. You know, if we are impatient with people we're teaching, for some people that will make them go into the water just to please you. Well, I know you've been teaching me for 18 weeks now, and I know you must be tired of me. Let me go and get baptized. That's not a baptism that will save you. And then there are those, and I imagine there were those on the day of Pentecost. You had thousands and thousands of people there. In that 3,000 who responded, there very well may have been some there who responded simply because everybody else was doing it. You ever been in a place where, where, where there are a lot of people and people are doing stuff and you start doing it simply because everybody else is doing it? Because you feel left out if you don't do it. I've seen people in service like that. Some have come up at some places where I've been and admit it. That's why they came. Well, I'm just happy that everybody's happy and I want to be baptized too. I want to be a part of this. But do you understand why you're being baptized? No, I'm just wanting to have a good time because everybody seems to be having a good time. I want me a piece of it. You can get baptized all you want with that kind of thinking. That's not the baptism that saves. Sometimes your friends and family members, especially preachers. When you've been raised in the home of a preacher or an elder or a deacon, what comes along with that sometimes is this pressure. Once you reach a certain age to be in the church and we take it personally. Because people make us, they say things that suggest that we ought to take it personally. Let your 12 or 13 or 17 or 18 year old be coming to church and you the son or daughter of a preacher and you're not baptized yet. Folks are looking at me. What's wrong with your child? He old enough to understand, ain't he? She old enough to understand. Why aren't they members? And then they start looking at you cross-eyed. Well, they not, they not, how about they not ready yet? And then they come back at you with this attitude that suggests we don't care if they ready or not. You and your family ought to be an example for the church. So don't get up preaching about other folks' children if your child isn't in the church. Is that alive today? You better believe it is. And there are some folk who will pressure you to pressure your child. Walk on out there today, baby. And just say, I believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. You think that child is added to the body? And you can work in the church the next 60 years and never be a part of it. Isn't that something? That you can meet where the church meets, take part in what we do, and at the end, find out that the Lord says, I never knew you. 
Who do you think that is being said to? The folks say, oh no, you got to know me. Remember all the work I did? No. I don't know you. As a matter of fact, I've never known you. That means from the time you thought you were in the church until that present time, he says, I've never known. You've just been working like a little beaver. Involved in everything, doing everything, going everywhere, teaching everybody, and is not in the body yourself. Because your baptism is faulty. Uh-huh. Some folks get baptized just to get married. Don't bit more believe in the Lord than a man in the moon. But somebody will say, well, you know, I want to marry you, but you know, my family, and I want you to be a member of the body so we can go to the same place on Sundays. And there are folk who will come and get dipped. You know, and Peter reminds us, this is not a cleansing of the filth of the flesh. This is not just a bath without the soap. And that's all you're doing if you don't believe right. You're taking a bath without the soap. If your belief is faulty, your baptism is faulty. No matter how long you've been with us, no matter what your intentions were, you need to know that there's a chance that you may never have been added to the body. You need to take that seriously. You need to make a decision. Take that seriously and do what needs to be done or, or, or ask yourself what I want to do now that I've found this out. Because see, some people, once they find out what's required of them, say, you know what, this is not what I thought it was. I'm gone. I'm out of here. And then there are others who will say, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't believe that my baptism was valid. Because as I think back about it, I let some people talk me into doing it because they say the Lord would make it all better for me if I did. And that's why I came. That's not it. Everybody who's going to be saved will believe, repent, confess Christ, and be baptized. And if that's not what you want to do, then you have to ask yourself whether you want to be saved. Those are the ingredients for salvation. That's what I want to say to you this morning. There'll be much more to say in the weeks to come, but I want to give you that opportunity today. If you're ready to believe and to repent and to confess Christ, then you're ready to be baptized. The water is ready. It's clean. Not freezing. And some folk won't get baptized for that reason. Is your water cold or is it warm? Isn't that something for you to be concerned about coming to get baptized? Thank you so much for listening. I want to leave that message with you today in hopes that you've heard something that you needed to hear. And that you'll be willing to come as we together stand.